You found the Diggin' Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to and enjoying our little podcast, please help out the show by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. Before we begin, I just want to thank uh, Paul and Rory for joining our Patreon this week. Don't forget, guys, as patrons, you can come and join us for a live discussion on the Patreon during the airing of each new episode of The Curse of Oak Island. Also, I have some new content going up on the Patreon, kind of turning it into my own little, uh, my plan is to turn it into the post section of the Patreon, to turn it into my own little Oak Island blog. Um so I have some new content going up there, and we're going to have a contest soon for you guys. So keep checking back and all that stuff. Uh, again, thank you, Rory and Paul. It is great to have you as a uh, member of the Diggin' Oak Island family. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your generosity. All right, let's get to uh, this week's emails and start with one from our new patron, the aforementioned Paul, who writes, Theory 1. I still think Oak Island should be called Booty Island. It was a command center for pirating and, com- and commandeering ships offshore and stealing booty. Uh, swamp was drop off and turn around, then set ships back out to sea. Uh, the use of a simple and easy created triangle shape provided a turnaround for the ships to be set back out to sea. I'm going to say more on this in a second, but let me stop here. The swamp would not have been a channel between two islands. The swamp would also not have been ocean water. Because the sea itself, I've said this just about every episode, the sea itself would have been further out to sea from the beach we have now uh, 300 years ago than it is now because water, uh, ocean levels have risen. So that is not really, unless you can show me some sort of proof that there is some sort of backfill involved with the swamp, which I have not seen yet. Um, in fact, we're seeing you know dirt in the swamp or things pulled out of the swamp that are centuries old. So this is obviously not backfill, or at least it doesn't look that way right now. So um, I just I, so, sorry, Paul. I just don't I, I don't I don't see that one here. I'm not uh, questioning the pirate an- aspect of it. Uh, just this simple thing here about the swamp. Also, if you look around that area, you'll find other triangle-shaped swamps on other. Uh, islands. Quick Google search will do that for you. Anyway, continues. Theory two. Oak was a strategical located island that provided sailing lane holdover port for transit between the New World and Western Europe. Uh, Ships needing repairs and supplies would stop at Oak Island and barter their storage for service and repairs. The treasures that were used as barter needed hiding places by the Oaksters. And then he writes, by the way, I listen to your pods on my way to and from work. You hold my attention every second. I almost need the seagull chirping to allow me to take a breath and set for the next part. It's obvious you prepare the show each week with excitement, incredible insights, and professionalism. Thank you for all you do. So impressed. Just became a Patreon. I just became a Patreon. Your show is a top pocket fine. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Paul. And again, thank you for your generosity. Um, (laughs) The seagull chirping is literally there for my for me to do exactly what you said to kind of catch my breath for a second, (laughs) sort of separate the show a little bit and and catch my breath. Um, Again, thank you for your kind words. Uh, This is, this podcast is a labor of love. uh, And you guys, especially you guys who've joined me on the Patreon over the last month or two here, um, make this really all worth doing. All you listeners really do. Let me say this. 
I am almost convinced, as much as I ever am convinced on things like this, I'm almost convinced there is a wharf off the swamp. Uh, and that is what we are seeing evidence here um, of the wood and stuff. And let's not forget the slipway in Smith's Cove was another one such thing. These things were put here for something, for some purpose. What is that some purpose? We don't know that yet. That's an unanswered question. And I think one of the great riddles that has resulted from the show, right, and what this team has uncovered in recent years and the work that they've done. Uh, now, this could have absolutely nothing to do with treasure. It's important to understand. I do not connect those dots. I see no reason to so far. Um, and you can see the next email for more on that uh, on what, what this could all mean. But could it be pirates? Of course. Maybe. You know, why not? But I think we both need some more evidence of that. I would say it that way, right? There is, you know, your the the idea you posit here of a place for a holdover port between um, New World and Western Europe, that kind of stuff. I mean, we're starting to see the beginning of evidence towards that and those things that I'm talking about the wharf and why is there why is there no historical records of these wharves? You know, those are kind of questions that, um, you know, could lead us to the answer to what this is all here for. Could it be pirates? Yeah, of course it could. You know, the Spanish coin is also possibly a piece of uh, evidence towards that, you know, that kind of thing. But we should require more than a possible wharf in one Spanish coin. That's kind of really what I mean, you know, especially considering how many possibilities there are for how that coin could have gotten to Elk Island um, and for who could have built those wharves, pirates being only one of those things. Uh, but it certainly is a possibility and a theory worth going down, and it is up to people like you, Paul. <laughs> to decide on theories like this and then gather evidence for such theories. And then the rest of us who are not advocating for any certain theory be the judge and jury, right? I mean, that's how this is going to work. You know, it's great stuff, man. Keep working on it. Um, keep us posted if you have any other ideas or uh, if you think there's more evidence that we're leaving out here. Send it all in. Let's talk about it. Pirates are as good a suspect as any and probably, well, not probably, absolutely the longest standing Oak Island suspects of them all. I mean, this whole mystery spent the vast majority of its life being called a hunt for pirate treasure. That's only recently changed, really. Um, all right, speaking of theories, let's talk about another theory from our friend Stephen, who writes, uh, Dave, have been meaning to ask... To, uh, have been meaning to ask you about your thoughts regarding the last chapter, Steel, the uh, Gordon Steele, um, Gordon Fader Joy Steele book. I, I think you read it. Well, I'm curious if anyone on the show has read the book. The book and your episode with Fader sure seems to answer a lot of questions about what has and has not been found on Oak Island. Pine tar pits, wharfs, storage shed near said wharf sure explains why there might be a bunch of wood on the swamp. And the fact that sea levels were three to feet lower in the early 1700s mean that there's no way to get a ship in there, as per Gordon Fader. I get why the show may not want to mention these inconvenient findings, but have been wondering why you haven't. Fader was pretty adamant that everything had been explained as far as he was concerned. Your thoughts, please. Best regards, Stephen. Uh, Steve, uh, thank you for your email. Great stuff. Um, yeah, of course, I, I have read the book. Um, I don't think I agree with you uh, with your assessment that I haven't, um, you know, no, ha haven't looked into these or mentioned these inconvenient findings. Uh, let, let me put it this way: when it comes to this kind of stuff, oh well. well first of all, I, I, maybe I'm just defending myself here, but I 
devoted an entire podcast to allowing Gordon Fader to say whatever he he reads or thinks about it. And I've talked extensively with Mr. Fader. It is a very compelling theory uh, that answers a large chunk of what we think is mysterious about Oak Island. And let me be clear, uh, for those of you who don't know about it, it is not a pure skeptic theory. It's not a skeptic in the the real hard definition of that word. Fader and Steele don't think that nothing happened on Oak Island and that everything is just a result of a natural phenomenon. Fader thinks the money pit is, but he, but he, they do agree um, that there's something else. I, I'm not. I'm, this is the way I feel about theories and books and authors, especially those that are still here, still with us, right? And Gordon Fader is still here. Joy Steele tragically passed away only a couple of weeks ago, but Gordon Fader is still here. Uh, so I, I feel like I don't want to give that all away because you should read the book and you should make up your own mind. Uh, but I'll say it like this. They do think they've discovered something undocumented in history, something military related, and essentially like a cover-up happened centuries ago. Um, they don't believe there's a hidden treasure. They don't believe there's the Ark of the Covenant or the lost manuscripts of whoever, anything like that. But it's not nothing, if that makes any sense to you guys who don't know what it is. What I would suggest to everybody here is you read it. I'm not going to advocate for the theory. Like all theories, I'm not convinced, at least not yet. Um, even this theory, uh, and I, Mr. Fader's going to, come at me here, but even this theory contains a lot of quote-unquote secret documents uncovered somehow, um, and its fair share of um, dismissing a lot of stuff that doesn't fit their theory. Uh, a lot of times, if you have a theorist that doesn't include a piece of evidence or something, they just dismiss it, right? Oh, well, that that's fake. They lied about that, or uh, they made that up, or that's really not what this is, you know, that kind of stuff. Their theory does that too. Uh, but all in all, I'll say it's pretty darn solid and incredibly well put together and very, very compelling. Uh, perhaps the romantic in me, maybe <laughs> the 12-year-old who first heard of the Oak Island treasure by reading a, a book sitting on a shelf in a uh, farmhouse in coastal Maine thinks, you know, isn't ready to give in to the logic of it just yet? Uh, who knows? You know, I, I, I have to admit my own failings in this. I try to be a um, a complete uh, unbiased juror, but it is hard. I, I do like the show and I do like the mystery. This is why I'm doing this podcast. So part of me might in the back of my mind want to uh, to believe that something is true here. And I think there is still something pretty romantic and pretty cool about the theory in in Fader and Steele's book. Um, you know, we'll, we, we'll see, you know, I absolutely recommend you read this book. Anyone interested in Oak Island, read it. It is a must read in my mind. And the idea that the guys on the Island haven't read it, I, I come on, man, you're trying to tell me, <laughs> I'm not saying you did this, Stephen, but there's no way Doug Kroll hasn't read this book. There's no way Charles Barkhouse hasn't read this book or, or Rick Lagina. Of course they've read it. But they, the show wants to go down the avenue of a treasure hunt. They want to make it compelling for treasure. Now, does it mean that they, if they prove Fader and Steele's uh, theory correct that they won't admit to that? No, I don't think those are this, the same thing. But right now, for the course of the show, 
chasing after some mysterious pine tar, you know, <laughs> military store type of thing is not nearly as cool as chasing the Ark of the Covenant. You know, you're not going to get as many eyeballs on this television. And I think we need to admit that. And I think we need to understand that. The show has limitations. This is one of them, you know. Um, and again, read the book. It'll make you question what you think you know as, you know, what you regard as fact with this mystery. It'll certainly do that. Stephen, great email. Thanks again. Always great to hear from you. All right. Let's go now to Calvin who asks, I am a brand new listener just starting your podcast. I am the kind of person who listens from episode one through all until I get up to speed. I listen on Google Podcasts and I see the oldest episode listed is The Discovery of the Money Pit from September 11th, 2019. However, as I started listening to that episode, you made mention of earlier episodes. This episode just kind of jumps in. I couldn't find any sort of a sort of about page or introduction on your website. I think this would be a good addition for your new listeners to get a feel for what your podcast is about. Uh, Calvin. Calvin, the website isn't really a website. <laughs> it's just a landing page for pod for the uh, podcast. It's just a podbean page where you where you throw down your podcast and then that somehow magically makes its way onto all these podcasting things. Um, there is no Oak Island webpage. The closest thing you'll find is a Patreon um, and maybe a Facebook page for which you can go to all that kind of stuff too. Um, first of all, let me also stop here and say, Calvin, welcome. Uh, it is great to have you as a listener. Always nice to hear from another Oak Island fan. The podcast that you mentioned, The Discovery of the Money Pit, is in fact the second podcast that I ever released. The first one is called Introduction and That Famous Reader's Digest article, and it was released on September 3rd, 2019. Now, I'm not a user of Google Podcasts. I have never used it. I'm an Apple guy. Don't use Google Podcasts. So I can't really help you there on why it's not there. But if you do go to the aforementioned website, diggingoakisland.com, you can listen and download the episode right there. Just go all the way back. Just keep clicking that older episode till you get to the first one, and you'll find it right there. Uh, I hope this helps again. Thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again. All right, now, speaking of sort of taking care of business here, our friend Ginger writes, I think you should have a Venmo account that people can make contributions on the Oak Island podcast. If you have a Venmo account for us, dig in Oak Island to give you uh, money to keep your wifey happy, please provide that. Don't be humble. You are providing us a service and should be remunerated. Uh, I'll be happy to make a donation. The interviews you do in the off season are valuable and super interesting. Thank you, Ginger. Okay, Ginger, I do not have a Venmo set up for the podcast. However, uh, if we're asking about something like this, I do have one set up for my other job as a musician. If those of you who might know, uh, that is what I do for a living. Uh, in past, I've kind of sold CDs and things like that through the Venmo. It's simple enough. Uh, it's at Dave McBride Music. Um, so if you want to donate to the show, just make a note on there that you're donating to the show. So I keep a keep a record that you're not donating to me as a musician, which nobody ever does anyway. Uh, but you can certainly do it through that. Uh, I use the Patreon because it offers me the possibility of doing other things for people and sort of a monthly engagement and a lot of um, back and forth content and things like that, which I just think is a great tool to sort of get to know you guys, to get to know the the, the you know, the real friends of the show, um, you know, the people who keep listening. But there are people just like you, Ginger, who uh, have asked, you're not the first one to ask me this, which is why I'm including it this time. Um, people who don't want to do the Patreon, don't want to be involved in a monthly thing, 
but want to help out some way and make a donation, uh, that's the only way I can do it for now on Venmo at Dave McBride Music. Um, I got to tell you, uh, I should set something else up. I know I should. Um, but you know what, Ginger? You're right. I, I struggle with asking for things like this. I know it doesn't sound like it now, but I really do. Um, it took me a long time to set up the Patreon. You know, it really took a lot of my wife looking at me going, why are you spending so much time on this for nothing? <laughs> and finally, I, you know, now I can tell her I don't spend it for nothing. I spend it for these Patreons who pay to keep this going. So, um, and that has really worked. Anyway, Ginger, you're the best. It's always great to hear from you. Thank you so much for being such a great supporter of the show. Uh, all right, let's finish up with Jim. Uh, Jim writes, hello, Dave, enjoy the podcast, uh, keep them coming, which by the way, you must now, since you're doing, since you're being paid by a Patreon to produce the podcast said tongue in cheek. No, you're not tongue in cheek. You're absolutely right. Uh, here's my question. Last year after the swamp doctor, Dr. Spooner announced that somewhere below was a dump truck of silver. They inserted one of their cameo shots of Marty. In that cameo, Marty mentioned that one of the things Spooner could do and does in his field of expertise is use the data to trace to the source, in quotes, of any underground contamination. He used the example of being able to trace pollution and other such contaminants back to its source. Obviously, since then, we've heard nothing about being able to use Spooner's field of expertise to trace back the source of the silver. Spooner either can or cannot do this. But if he is, has this expertise, if he does have this expertise, it sure would be nice to further examine said expertise. But alas, as you say so many times, if we don't hear further, it didn't happen or ain't going to happen or it did happen and it doesn't mean anything. Let me add that one. But it is an interesting concept and probably one that does exist and worth pursuing. Thanks again, Jim in Iowa. Jim, that's a great question. I really forgot about that. And by putting in quotes the dumpster dump truck full of, you know, the Billy Gerhardt dump truck full of silver was a great reminder of um, of how big a deal that was at the end of last year. And I got to say, I'm really stunned at, you know, you really kind of made me think about this from, from reading your email, because if you think about it and the deal they made about it and what possibly this could mean the lack of really chasing that this year with things other than just drilling holes in the ground. Like, did they test any of the water coming out of those holes in the ground? What, I mean, what it just, was there anything further? I was put under the impression by people on the Island that there was, so maybe we'll see more of this testing as time goes on. Um, you know, it just seems strange, you know, why didn't they, did they take more samples? Maybe, do samples in other places. I mean, why didn't we get all that? And that would all seem the logical first step other than just drilling holes in the ground, right? But it is it is hard to say, right? It's hard to know exactly what they've done. And they definitely chopped this show up for a narrative arc. So they could have done stuff in May that they're going to make look like was done in October. It's very easy to do that. Um, so let's kind of keep what I'd say here, Jim, is let's put this on the back burner, and revisit this later on in the season. Let's give them a chance to expand on this in future shows. And then, Jim, email me back again towards the end of the season, especially if nothing else comes up. And let's talk about this again, you know, because I think you're right. I think your, your email made me realize that they really haven't dove straight into this test result 
like you would imagine they would off something that says there's a dump truck full of silver. I mean, that seems to be, you know, a eureka moment that didn't really didn't really have much of a honeymoon, right? Um, again, Jim, great email. You're not wrong by any means. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt for a little for the time being and revisit this later on. All right, that's all for this week's emails. Thank you all for writing in. And if you would like to have a question answered or a comment discussed here in a future podcast, just send them on to Island at gmail.com. All right, it is time now to discuss Season 9, Episode 14 of The Curse of Oak Island called Premiere of the Dig. Now, I have said this a few times before, but I really mean it today. This is going to be a very short review because there really just wasn't much happening here in this episode. Now, let me let me put that a little differently. That's not a reflection of what I thought about the episode. In fact, the opposite. I really liked it a lot. Uh, but there just wasn't much of much for me to expand on here today, if that makes sense. On the Patreon discussion, I kind of pejoratively called it, and didn't mean to, an episode with a lot of filler. And our friend Dan sort of corrected me on the Patreon and said, but good filler. And he's absolutely correct. I love this stuff. Bringing the huge gear on the island and, and you know, talking to a big mucky muck on the, <laughs> political mucky muck on the island. It's absolutely great television. I enjoyed the heck out of it. It just wasn't really a whole lot of kind of new information for me to expand to here, dive deeper into for you. You know, and I hate to shortchange you guys, but I'm really going to fly through this episode probably faster than any episode before, and that's not my intention. It just kind of shakes out that way, so let's get right into it. Over at the Money Pit, we see the aforementioned huge gear being brought even uh, brought onto the island in a collection of scenes throughout the episode. At first, it seemed it might even that this idea of bringing the gear on the island might even spill into next week, as you hear somebody mention that the big oscillator um, was not going to be on the island for a week. But by episode's end, it was there on the island. Um, the episode ended with this sort of nice ceremonial scene to mark the beginning of this phase of the treasure hunt, people riding on the cans. Uh, like many a fan, um, I too absolutely love when Rick gets sentimental like this. Uh, it really kind of makes you appreciate how invested he is in the entire project, right? It's really cool. Now let's take a moment also to talk about the aforementioned visit from this political big shot. Uh, he is the premier of Nova Scotia. And as Billy Gerhardt explained, a premier is sort of like a governor of the United States. Nova Scotia is a province, which is a lot like a state, a little bit like a state here in the U.S. And uh, he's apparently newly elected. I have to say this, uh, of all the people on this team that I thought would have big political connections, uh, if I were to make a list in, the, in order of who would have the biggest political connections, I don't think I'd have Billy Gerhardt at the top of that list. On Patreon, Steve says, um, quote, I love Billy Gerhardt. I had to hose down the backhoe, but I made a call to the Queen of England, Adele and Tom Brady. They'll all be here tomorrow. <laughs> the guy rocks. He does. I mean, I was blown away by that. Uh, the premier's name is Tim Houston. Visits the island with his wife. Uh, the brothers tour him around the island. There's a lot of complaining about government involvement in the narration and all the kinds of self-promotion from the brothers that uh, honestly one would absolutely expect in this situation, right? I have nothing really to add here, and I'm not really complaining about it. It all seemed pretty reasonable to me, and hopefully this relationship can come to uh, help the team in the future. Who knows? You know, you, ne you, never, you never know, and you never know if there was any kind of adversarial relationship with the former premier. Who knows? Uh, the only thing of, um, of note here in my mind really is at the end, as they were leaving, 
The premier specifically thanked Laird Niven, and only Laird, indicating that Laird had a lot to say here in this conversation, none of which seemed to make it to the final cut of the show. I'll just leave that up to you guys to decide what that might mean. Now, before we take a break here, let's just mention the swamp quickly. Uh, We were told a few weeks ago that the digging would end here. And this week it finally does seem that kind of dragged a little bit uh, before Marty comes to the swamp and makes this announcement that it's all over for this year here. Uh, Gary finds what looks like a little handle of a small tool, almost looks like, like from a garden tool or something like that. Then later finds some more flat planking and then this big, large stake. There's the prerequisite talk about a ship in the swamp and all of that. But these last two pieces, right, this piece of planking and especially the stake, are absolutely what one would expect to find when looking for a wharf and what one would need to to build a wharf, right? It's a big giant stake and you put it in the ground under the water and you connect the planks to it. You know, it's all it's all been done a thousand times. Not at all sure what a stake like that um, would do on a ship, <laughs> but it certainly makes sense for a wharf. Hopefully when we get back to searching the swamp, we can stop the ship talk here a little bit and search for what this possible wharf was and why it was here and does it connect to the slipway and all that kind of stuff. Those are the answers we should be looking for. Not this ship, which is so far-fetched and already really proven to not be there. Okay, so let's talk for a minute here before we go about Lot 32. This is the lot just off the swamp, um, just below it, really. If you're looking at the swamp from the ocean, right, with your back to the ocean, uh, this is the beach to your left. It's the furthest east lot of the southern half of the island, if that makes any more sense. We see Gary Metal detecting over here. He finds an ox shoe, which I, that makes me go right to the Patreon discussion during the airing of the show, right? <laughs> JC says, let's rename it the Curse of Akshu Island. Uh, when people make fun of this show now, uh, they almost always mention Akshus. It almost makes me wonder why they keep showing them. Uh, it really has become something of a sticking point, I think, for fans. Later on, Gary finds a musket ball. A shot looks like a used musket ball. Really kind of cool. Again, not a lot for me to add here, but this is interesting. You know, this is cool stuff. This is why you have Gary on the island. Um Now, that's kind of all for what they did on Lot 32 in this episode. But later on, we go back and follow up on something found on Lot 32 last year. What the team called here a bag seal. Now, this can be hard to explain. Uh, It is explained a little bit on the episode last year, but I'll do my best for you this year, too. Um, It's really hard to explain what this is on an audio show. But have you ever seen like a round bale of hay on a farm? Big, giant bale of hay, right? Okay, now picture something that size, but instead of hay, maybe it's like cotton. Uh, Now, what you want to do is you're going to cover the whole thing in a large cloth. Today, we would use something more like a tarp. The use of this is to protect it from the elements, right? Now, in order to keep the tarp closed, you kind of bind it all together, and then you seal it shut with this seal you see here. The best way I can explain it is like the old wax seal you used to see people put on letters to keep the envelope closed. They also had some sort of mark of theirs, right? Does that make sense? Now, a bag seal, or more accurately, really a bale seal, would be used for transporting big bales of all sorts of things, like cotton uh, especially, but also tobacco. Um, I used them for salt. I think uh, hemp was 
taken around a lot in these kind of things. Um, you know, and lots of other stuff too. They use the the use of bales and seals really goes all the way back to antiquity, if I'm not mistaken. They were also used um, during centuries as sort of a corporate mark to say who sold or even produced whatever is in this bale. And it was also, if I'm not mistaken, if memory serves here, used as a tax stamp. You would put inspect it, you know, bind it back up with whatever you're covering with and seal it with a tax stamp saying that the tax had been paid. Um, now, Gary found this seal last year on lot 32 because it's made of lead uh, right near the end of season eight. And now Dr. Krista Brousseau has uh, completed her chemical test that she's done uh, and joins the team via video conference in the war room. Now, she's cleaned it all up and she's determined that it was indeed used for cloth, though I'm not sure how she determined that, that it was for cloth and not, say, tobacco or something like that. But be that as it may, I'll take her word for it on that. You can see the initials on it much cleaner. I think last year I thought it looked to me almost like a East India Company seal. Um, now it looks a little bit less like that. It looks perhaps like a, maybe a T and an E. She throws out the idea of the Treasury of England, which I tried to find a stamp for the Treasury of England um, that looks like this, but with no luck. Doesn't mean that this isn't what that is, and it doesn't mean there isn't such a stamp out there. It just means that I didn't find one. <laughs> I'm not, you know, what can I tell you? I just couldn't find an example of it. Uh, and as much as the word treasury sounds an awful lot like treasure, if this is where this seal is from, then that really makes me think that this is a tax seal. You wouldn't pay tax on a treasure you stole, right? It's a really cool find. I mean, it, if this was a giant bag seal, take the treasure out, right? Take take your stories away. If this is a giant bale seal, what would it be doing on this island? There is nothing in history to make us think that something like this could be on this island, um, especially from the time frame that it says. When you consider that Dr. Brousseau seems to think it comes from maybe as early as the 17th century, even earlier, I think you followed that logic. She talked about the purity of the lead indicating it would be on the older side of this kind of seal. Um, it's just something that one wouldn't expect to find here on Oak Island. An ox shoe is something you would absolutely expect to find. You know, so is a handle of a wooden handle of a garden tool or even a musket ball. But a seal for a giant bale of cotton? That's a strange one. That's a weird one to find. Could it have washed up? Yeah. Um, still, strange one to find. Now, the show pivots to the William Phipps theory again. And I have to say, well, our patrons, Jason and Carrie, that's how they go. Jason and Carrie. I'm not sure if it's Jason or Carrie, but let's credit you both, right? You guys said it the best when you said, quote, that transition was rough. <laughs> the transition to William Phipps, and it really was. How you get from... How you get to William Phipps and a possible recovered Spanish treasure out of a cotton bale seal. I mean, I still don't know how they managed that, but they did. Um, but let me just repeat myself here a bit and uh, not try to sound too much like a Debbie Downer. Despite the fact that this is clearly not <laughs> a piece of evidence implicating William Phipps in any way as the depositor of a stolen Spanish treasure or recovered Spanish treasure in Oak Island... This find, in my mind, still is fascinating, nonetheless.
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Digging Oak Island podcast. Told you it was going to be a short one. Shameless plug time. Uh, I got a couple of shameless plugs for you. The first one I want to tell you about is the Sit Downs and Sessions podcast. I do another podcast. It's not a regular show. It comes out whenever we have some new content, along with a friend of mine who's a radio host, uh, DJ at the same radio station I work on, uh, Chris Poe. And coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a two-part discussion with a guy named Bill Burns. Uh, anybody who has watched UFO Hunters, Ancient Aliens, anything like that, you know who Bill Burns is. He is an author, um, a professor, a publisher, he uh, and probably one of the premier UFO specialists in uh, in America, really working right now. So that's coming out probably towards the the middle of this weekend. You can find sit downs and sessions on anywhere you get Apple Podcasts, any of that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that angle as well, um, come and join us. It's going to be two parts, one this weekend, one next weekend. Sit downs and sessions. If you need any help, just drop me an email and I'll show you how to get that. Um, also, as I mentioned every week, I am uh, DJing on a radio station, WDVR-FM, Wednesday afternoons from 2 to 5 p.m. If you live in the New Jersey, uh, West Jersey, Eastern, like the sort of greater Lehigh Valley area, you can find us on either 89.7 or 90.5 FM, depending on where you are. You can also find us online, uh, WDVRFM.org, or just by telling Alexa to turn on WDVR somehow. I do a show from 2 to 4 called the Bourbon Street Bistro play the music of New Orleans, and then from 4 to 5, I do a show called Island Vibes, where we play kind of a little tropical music, trap rock and reggae and that kind of thing. Um, you know, don't forget to join us on Facebook and Twitter. Just put in at Diggin' Oak Island on your search bar. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. Listen, to all of you guys who've done that, thank you so, so much. That is such a nice thing for you to do. Somehow that helps. So if you can't be part of the Patreon, you don't want to donate, I totally get that, you know? I And, and I and I believe me, I totally get that. Uh, but if you want to do something to help out the show, you could do that. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because it helps to get the word out on the show somehow. And um, don't forget, as I mentioned at the top, you can really help us out by becoming a patron uh, if you think the show is worth $5 a month to you, then head over to patreon.com slash Island to learn more. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Diggin' Oak Island.